0: Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah with you live in the mobile Kintex studio. We are live from Goodco Bars on Granville ahead of the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am and uh, we'll be joined by Canucks alumni through the course of the evening and looking forward to to it as uh, the Canucks continue their red hot start. Sats.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, the Canucks, uh, the hottest team in the National Hockey League, the highest highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. Seven, two, and one to begin the season. They have players that you can talk about as being maybe Art Ross candidates.
0: Yes. Heart Queen trophy Hughes, candidates. Heart
1: trophy Norris candidates.
0: Vesna candidates. Selkie candidates dare we say Jack Adams candidates William M
1: Jennings trophy <laughs> candidates they
0: could just sweep all of the awards
1: that was the vibe on the post-game show essentially last night people calling in people being hyped up over the Canucks winning 10-1
0: and why wouldn't you be and that's uh <laughs> that's why we're going to start today's show because we are going to be joined by uh, Canucks alumni through the course of the night uh, here at the Pro-Am draft at Goodco Bars uh, we'll um We'll actually start the day with the mailbag. We're going to have a little bit of a different vibe here on this Friday. Let's get right into it. Mailbag Friday. Start the show off with the mailbag. Your questions for us, 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. If you want to get some late submissions in, Producer Josh Elliott-Wolf on location with us, Uh, what are the questions looking like today?
2: Hello, we will start with this one from Ernest in Richmond. Uh, Last season, Sat pictured a successful Canucks team to look similar to the Dallas Stars. Do you think this comparison has come to fruition this season?
1: That's a great question. I saw this question, I'm like, ooh, this is good, because we did talk about that and the and stars. also the
0: Stars are the next opponent for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: They are. It's like a perfect timing for to have this, this discussion again. And my take on the the Stars was a couple of years ago, people thought, what is their upside? They have these bad contracts in Sagan and Jamie, Ben. They don't have a lot of prospects. They don't have a lot of draft picks. They're kind of st- stuck in the middle. What is this team? Then all of a sudden, a couple of young players come through. And the yeah. next thing you know, that team looks formidable. One, it, it, it is a legitimate contender. It's not a Tier 1 contender, but would you be surprised if the Dallas Stars got to the Cup Final and somehow won the Cup at the end of the season? I don't think it would shock anybody. And I think for Vancouver to become a team like that, it's a lot easier for them to take that pathway, I believe, than it is the pathway of, oh, just go and become the next Colorado Avalanche or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. I don't think the Canucks are quite there yet, especially on the blue line, but they're a lot closer to being a Dallas Stars caliber team. A a ways to go still to be as stingy as them consistently, although they're doing a good job of it so far this year, but I do think they're closer to being that.
0: Well, the Stars have the star goalie. Uh, I feel like I'm using the word star too much, but they they have the quality goalie. They've got the quality defenseman. They've got... Couple of really big forwards: Rupe Hints, Jason Robertson, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn still played pretty well last year. But I don't know how many stars they have in their forward group. I don't know how many superstars they have in their forward group. That's kind of where I see this comparison. Uh, the Canucks—they have a really top-end, top-end to their team but they've now started to filter in some more workers through their roster and players that fit into the roles they're being put in. And that's why I think we're, we're seeing the Canucks have some, some more success. But that's you know one of the things about the Stars is I don't know if I look at their roster and say, like, man, this is easily one of the most talented teams in the National Hockey League. But I do like the way that the pieces fit together.
1: Yes, I do as well. I think you have players put in roles where they can be successful. And we talked about this team last year not having players that could be on the PK. Who's a guy that can play uh, some tough minutes on your third and fourth line? And I think they haven't even had their best two-way forward outside their top six available, and that's Teddy Bluger. And I'm very excited to see what the forward group looks like when you add him to that equation as well. But they have guys not now who can hold their own defensively, guys who can PK, guys who understand how to play within structure. And the team all of a sudden is far more cohesive and harder to break down. Still a ways to go to become a Dallas Stars team, but this this is the type
2: of pathway you have to take to get there. Next next one comes from MJ. Canucks Pro Scouting has clearly turned a major corner. Several shrewd affordable depth additions from Lafferty and Bluger up front and the Smith and Net, Freeman and Cole on the back end. Is it strictly the Pittsburgh Ties, or is there more to it?
0: So, it's pretty obvious that the Canucks have been making uh, some better better pickups, whether it be in cheap free agency, low-cost trades. And I know there's been a lot of former Penguins that they've acquired as the former Penguins front office, but... You know they've really found some quality players and i think there's there's a couple of things happening here i think overall yes the new direction of the team has helped in identifying what players they need to go and acquire the traits Mm -hmm. of players that they need to go and acquire and ultimately when there's a little bit more of a focus as to what exactly it is we're trying to acquire and what we need to acquire i think that's where you're seeing just a better success rate in the players they acquire because there's an understanding of what they need and what they're trying to acquire and what role they're trying to fill
1: and all the players are successful and very effective in playing roles that this team needs players to play in Yes. As you mentioned, you know the obvious ones like PK and and being able to take some defensive zone draws as a forward, for instance. But even in terms of players that can be good along the walls, players that can be good on in terms of forechecking, look at Pugh Suter. I don't think it's a coincidence they added him. You see how active he is with his yeah. stick, how he pressures so much, and he's been he's been dynamite in the faceoff circle as well this season. And he hasn't been a two-way force, but he's been more than just you know. Um, Somebody you can throw out there every once in a while. He's been a dependable player for this team, especially defensively. They didn't have anything like that before. No. Ian Cole, we know how good he's been. And I I, honestly, I'm uh, I'm floored at how good Ian Cole is. He's really right. good, man. Like, he's really good. And I think the guy who we're seeing more of is Carson Sousi. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm starting to see more. Like, I had some questions about Carson Sousi's ultimate upside can he be a top 4 guy and i'm still you know we still have to see he's only played what eight games, seven games. But i do believe the more i see and the more comfortable he gets, i can see what they saw. Yeah. in signing him. And it goes back to the point you made before. They're very good at identifying players that are intelligent and players who fit their needs that they're trying to acquire. And when you do that, all of a sudden your team looks you know uh, Ian McIntyre last night pushed back on the word competent. Yeah. You know, uh, in terms of maybe they're higher than that. But at the very least, they've gone from being a team that was very incompetent, five on five in in many situations, to being competent, if not good. And we'll see how good.
0: We'll we'll see, you know, we might have a different take uh, or uh, feel on some of these things when the Canucks inevitably have a bit of a slump at some point this season. But right now, you know, you look at a player like Sam Lafferty and. I uh, stumbled upon some in Leafs Twitter complaining how they got rid of Sam Lafferty and all these guys that were supposed to replace Sam Lafferty at a cheaper cost are not having any success, and their fourth line looks trash and all these different types of things, but you watch Sam Lafferty, you see the speed that he brings with the goal he scored last night, the other goals he scored this year, the size, all of the elements that he brings, and it's like that's just a a perfectly capable fourth line forward.
1: and. In terms of on the higher end, the big swing they took was Philip Peronan. Yeah. And he not only looks like a top-four defenseman, he looks like a really good top-four defenseman, and he plays the right side. Hey, it's only 10 games this season. We only saw four games with him last year. Yeah. But what you're seeing is the big bet they made may have also been a home run, and those are the ones that really turned the tide.
0: Well, it looks like not just to to pump the tires of of the players at the bottom of the roster, but – more importantly, you know, you're know you going to go as far as your stars go, and right now it looks like the Canucks have, at least from a skater perspective, five-star players with the way that Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Roenick, and Besser have started this season. Now, Besser, we'll see if it continues. Roenick, I mean, he's looked every bit the part of a top pair defenseman while playing next to Quinn Hughes, and then you top that with Thatcher Demko and goal. I mean, it's a pretty strong core, and uh, there's a reason why uh, they're being called Canada's best team right now.
1: Yeah, you got Kuzmenko, you have Mikheyev as well, and all of a sudden.
0: All of a sudden, that's, you know, eight players we're talking about. Wow. Getting a little too ahead of ourselves. I'm just saying,
1: you're getting closer. You still need, you know, like people are saying, you still need more. You have to still add more, of course, and the team is active in trying to add more. But, yeah. you know, they needed their guys to show they can be players again, especially Besser, and all of a sudden it makes your team significantly better when Besser's playing at a high level again.
2: This one from Andrew, should we be concerned that Miller and Pedersen combined have only scored one 5-on-5 goal despite dominating special teams?
1: You can look at it a couple of ways. Um, you can say yes, that's something that it's lagging, but their overall 5-on-5 points are still yeah. amongst team leaders. They're getting a lot of assists. If you want to be optimistic, you can say, well, there are a lot of things that are unsustainable for yeah. the Canucks. Especially shooting percentage. Well, you know how on? do
0: they have the number one shooting percentage in the league at five on five and both Pedersen and Miller have yet to score at five on if five? You, if you it's like be something, some things just don't add up.
1: And if you want to be optimistic, you can say, yes, there'll be some regression. And there'll also be some reg- regression the other way with J- JT Miller and Pedersen yeah. scoring more five on five. And, and that's how you're hoping this hot streak. And again, they're not going to go out there and average five goals and score 400 goals or whatever they're on pace for, 377. But the point is, can they offset some of that regression in terms of being, you know, going from being a really good team to an average team or something by those guys pr- providing a bit more five on five, which they're capable of doing?
2: Next. Next one is uh, from Ray. Now that Box is on LTIR, I think he's out for two to four weeks, yeah. I think it was. Uh, what type of odds are you putting on Hughes for the Norris? I would say. He's got to be
1: the leader now. Like I think what Vancouver's done a really good job, as far as their fans go, and also the media. Yes. I think in terms of how we've you know been so on top of the story, that redemption, that it's it's undeniable right now how good Quinn is, and everyone's yeah. talking about it. Yes. So I don't think Quinn's going to go unnoticed. So I think he's got to be the favorite right now.
0: I'd still say Kale McCarr is like Quinn and McCarr should be the two favorites, because it's hard to yeah. it's hard to kick Kale McCarr off the off the perch of being the favorite for the Norris. But there's no way Quinn can't be in that conversation right now. And if he keeps playing like this, you gave Eric Carlson the Norris last year because he scored 100 points. Hughes is on pace for 105, 106 points right
2: now. I mean, yeah, I think the exact number is 11 T. Billy. <laughs> oh, OK. Yes. <laughs> um, next one from Corbin. If the Canucks get another Heritage Classic, who should the rival be and where should this take place? It's got to be
1: Seattle CenturyLink.
2: You think so? Cuz yeah. they got the they got the Winter Classic this year.
1: Yeah, I'm saying Vancouver would I mean, they're asking about Vancouver, right? Yeah. That's what I would want. That would be
0: cool. So, if you're going to do a Vancouver one in
1: Vancouver,
0: there you, you can't do it at BC place again.
1: No. It can't so be in Vancouver.
0: Got to go to Whistler
2: or something fun.
1: Yeah, the Whistler would be cool. Could you do something cool in Do Whistler? it on top
0: of the mountain like they did that one little yeah. feature thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mystery Alaska and Whistler. Yeah,
0: I just – I don't think there's anywhere to do it in Vancouver. That's what I'm saying. And Unfortunately, I, like could you do it at Empire Field or something like that? Nah. It's not a big enough – not enough nah. people. Like can't you do can't, it. And, and the weather – Seattle's going to have this issue when they get to it with the Winter Classic, but the weather just isn't – Really conducive for it? No, unless you did it like Northwest.
1: in Stanley Park or something. But that you can't even do that. You got to set up a, you know, a rink or yeah. whatever. Like I don't because know.
0: sun you can deal with, but the amount of rain that comes down uh, here in these parts makes it really difficult to set up a proper ice surface.
2: Uh, next one from Rick: Should Canucks fans be terrified that they could be in a position to be buyers at the deadline?
1: No, the good problems to have, good concerns to have.
0: I don't okay, I, I get it, but I don't love the notion of like always like being scared of being good.
1: Yeah. You know? Be be ready to compete. Be re- excited about okay, like not to say you should go out and spend on rentals or whatever. Yeah. But the fact that your team has to consider what what they have to do in terms of buying or adding to the team at the deadlines is a good problem to have.
0: There like there's times when it's obvious you should not be taking win now risks i.e. when the Canucks signed Louie Erickson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was pretty obvious to most people back then that they shouldn't be players for that kind of a free agent, but they went and did it. You see it with San Jose. You know, as much as it's exciting to acquire a player like Eric Carlson, I know I wasn't the only one that was like, are you guys sure about that? Like, is this the right time to be going yeah. after Eric Carlson? and then doubling down by giving them an eight-year deal when you've already got big contracts for Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic. And look at how terribly it's worked out for San Jose. But right now, for the Canucks, like, yes, things are feeling good after 10 games. You have reason to believe they're going to be a playoff team. But the way I would view it is, it's okay to be a buyer at the deadline, but you still have to be sensible about what you're buying. And you should always be sensible about what you're buying. There's very few scenarios where I think it makes sense to be a big buyer for rental type players and I don't think the Canucks are going to be in that sort of a window where they should be rental buyers.
1: Are you, are you doing a question here that somebody asked about what type of additions the Canucks are, are going to get, rentals or long term additions? I think somebody asked about that.
2: Yeah, there was one, uh, I'll see if I can find it here, but there was one about, oh yeah this one from Nick. If uh, Vancouver is serious about making a big trade to improve the team, do you think it will be a, for a short or a long-term fit? Curious what type of defenseman they would be interested in as well.
1: All right, because I think this all fits in together here because yeah. people are texting in and saying the question, the point of the question is them doing stupid things and trades to go for it. And Raymond says it's the Benning PTSD more than anything else. And, and I agree with, with what Raymond says, and I understand the trepidation. But to, answer, to put together both questions, I don't believe this team is going to be looking to spend any significant assets on rentals. Yeah. Is that to say they may not make a depth addition using some sort of lower-end uh, assets to acquire rentals, perhaps? Sure, I can see that in, in a small move or something. I don't think this team's going to be giving up second-round picks for guys they're not keeping. Yeah. I don't think they'll be giving up their top prospects for somebody they're not going to keep. I don't think they're giving up a first-round pick, if it ever comes to that, for somebody they're not keeping beyond this season. So I don't believe the concern should be about, oh, they're going to do something stupid at the trade de- deadline. Just... To what degree can they improve the team while still maintaining the long-term interest of the organization, right? Like, that's going to be the big thing. It's about how can we get better for not only this year but beyond. That's, I think, where the Canucks are looking to spend assets potentially for, not, hey, let's just go sign a UFA because YOLO, who knows <laughs> what happens when we get to the postseason.
0: At what point do you feel more confident in this front office to go out and make these sorts of deals
1: well we just answered the question about do you believe in man- management's competency yeah. in terms of player e- evaluation then and is it, there is there that, a bad time
0: <laughs> it's like I, I have a lot of confidence in Patrick Alvin given what he's done so far and the players that he's gone and acquired and also how Much restraint they've shown in sticking to what they believe is the right price, right? In a lot of situations, right? Not just in free agency, where you know, like the biggest contract they signed in unrestricted free agency was what the Ilya Mikheyev deal, yeah,
1: and that looks pretty good. He looks really good, man.
0: You know, (laughs) (laughs) looks like a solid player, Barbashev type. Barbashev got that money from, got more money from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights this past off season. Maybe he's not quite as high-end as Barbashev, but mm, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Barbashev they, had the run, but I, I don't know. I they are. Mikheyev's they, really good, man. Mikheyev
0: is really good, uh, so I shouldn't downplay him like that. But similar players uh, and comparable contracts yeah. is the point I was more getting at. So why, why would you, as a fan, feel worried about them spending a massive price on something that doesn't make sense – when they've been on the job patrick alveen's been on the job for more than 18 months now and has shown that he's going to stick to what he believes is a fair price the biggest price they paid in trade was philip Ronick. and i didn't like it at the time but look at how that feeling for much of the fan base has already shifted Now that we see how well he fits onto the roster, how well he fits next to Quinn Hughes, and how much he's helped this team get off to a good start.
1: We had a discussion early this season about, you know, what should the Canucks look to do? And I'm not against you spending big assets. If you can get another Philip Hironic type of player, or something of that type of impact on the back end, even if you're paying a high price, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But it's going to be hard for those players to become available. Ultimately, to address, to address the defense, I think the easiest thing and the most likely avenue in which they do that is Ethan Bear for now. Yeah. And as much as we, we talk about Garland trading Garland, you're, not getting a, you're probably not getting the type of defenseman you're looking for for Garland.
0: No, for Garland, you're just hoping to get as much cap space as possible.
1: What's interesting, and I'll throw this out there, this is what I would find interesting from Vancouver's perspective. Forget Garland for a second. Would they be willing to move a Bavillier and then take turn back for a player that might be good, but you're giving relief to somebody because it's an expiring contract going out the other way? So you're trading Bavillier to somebody for a, for a player who's probably better than Bavillier and helps, but has maybe a few years on his contract. For a team that's looking to maybe get some flexibility, would you look at doing that? That's what I wonder about. Because we talk about being creative and you can't spend a ton of assets. Is there a team in somewhat distressed that needs to move a good player that has a little bit of term? But they're in a tough bind, and they want flexibility. Yeah. Is that something Vancouver may look to do to use their expirings in that way? And that that's that has a cost potentially on the cap, but you're not giving away assets like draft picks and, and prospects.
0: Yeah, the uh, the biggest price they paid, well, even even Ethan Bear, like the price they paid to get Ethan Bear, um, maybe you know when you look at it in totality. They end up buying out Jason Dickinson, and then still giving a second, like giving a second-round pick to get rid of that, then a fifth-round pick to get Ethan Bear. But they also, even in that deal, held out. Carolina wanted Nils Hoglander mm-hmm. when they first started talking trade, and they held out and kept it to a price they felt a lot more comfortable with. Just another example of how this um, front office is not overextending itself
2: uh, when they uh, talk trade or talk contract with players. Next one is from 1CDN, and uh, we'll have to verify this as well because I don't know if these were all your takes, Rooch. But it's which one of Dan's takes from last year do you want to redo on? Here we go. There's four options. There's the trade Kuzmenko option, the trade Miller option, the do not trade for Philip Hironik option, or the delay hiring Rick Tockett until this season option. Which one do you? If they are all yours, <laughs> you can you can object. But if did they are all yours, which one do you want to redo on the most? Did you say Trade Kuzmenko? I don't remember I've that. I've never one. said Trade Kuzmenko. I, think I don't recall I think that. Other remember. people at the stations, yeah, for maybe Domus Trance, <laughs> yeah, set to set to Trade Kuzmenko, but. Uh, I don't know if Reach
1: said. That. I don't think. I think. I think you're being blamed for things you didn't say.
0: I'm definitely being blamed for things that I didn't say. Now, <laughs> the the talk it one. I remember we had those conversations of
1: when's the best time to hire him, especially the with the tank going yes. the way it was going. Um, the so tank
0: was too good to disrupt. We we did have those conversations, but the one I the one I would uh, say is looking worst is. Why trade for Hronik now? And that's a testament to how good Philip Hronik has fit on this roster. Yeah, um, but that would that would be the one where I feel most uh, most of a one eighty on any of those takes. Not all of which were mine.
1: <laughs> I think timing. I get it. I think timing. Sometimes we view it as because we we look at like team building as being linear and like yes. timelines. Wait for this. Get these things, and it's like. If, you're look, if you think there's a player you can get who's an impact player and you're in a mode where you're trying to improve your team, there's never a bad time to acquire that player. That's
0: that's the lesson learned there, right? It's It was never about Hronik being a bad player or anything like that. It was just, is this the right time for the Canucks to do this? A lot of that being the Canucks were really bad last year and how much could they gain by getting this one player? But it's been a, a pretty seamless fit, and Quinn Hughes has even mentioned himself how much... Philip Peronik is helping show the best version of Quinn Mm. Hughes. So it's not only did you get a good player, but you're getting a better version of Quinn Hughes because you've paired him now with another top end player.
2: All right. And we will uh, we'll end with this one. Debug 53. Even if all goes well in San Jose's rebuild, which comes first, San Jose's return to competitiveness or the year 2030? (laughs) Uh,
1: twenty
2: thirty. Oh man, <laughs> what level of competitiveness are we talking about though? Like just playoffs? I
1: don't, I'm saying competitive as in like you're contending
2: for like
1: a cup. they've missed the playoffs six four years in a row already. Six years, twenty thirty is a decade. <laughs> they're right? So bad. They're really bad. If they're gonna contend for a cup by twenty thirty, I don't think so. I'm taking the I'm taking the over on that. But.
2: Cup contending, I would say, like you take uh, you take the over on that. If the if it, the bar is just making the playoffs, I feel like they'll sure. make the playoffs. Six right. years, yeah, I can see that.
0: I'm no like prospect guru, but like they don't even like they still don't have a ton that you know they've accumulated in these four years that they've been bad.
2: Now they got like Will Smith.
0: Yeah, they got Will Smith this year, Quentin Musty, but like all those guys were drafted basically just. This year in the Meyer trade, did they get a, a, a ton in that trade? It's, they don't have
1: a ton coming on the back end, not a like ton at all.
0: They, they've still got a long ways to go. Even think of somebody like Detroit, how long it's taken them to get through it. It's been almost a decade, probably a decade now for Detroit. We're coming up on a decade since yeah. they last made the playoffs. So it's, it's going to take some time. I disagree with Sat, though. They'll get in before uh, before twenty thirty, maybe twenty twenty nine. Twenty twenty nine, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it's well, not twenty thirty, so all right.
1: That's fine. Okay, quick one here. Somebody asked us, uh, Tyler, I think, overrated. Uh, uh, what do you think of double header because the Lions play their playoff game at three o'clock and the Canucks play at seven on Saturday? Yeah, that would be awesome to do. Just make sure to hydrate. (laughs) Uh, If you're consuming, make sure to hydrate.
0: Mix in a water, and also if you really want to get all in on Vancouver big-time sporting events this weekend, well then, you know, what about the Vancouver Whitecaps on Sunday Mm -hmm. as well against LAFC at BC Place? So it could be a pretty good weekend in downtown Vancouver. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Hopefully lots of wins for all of the teams here in Vancouver. Whitecaps needed to stay alive as well. So um, we're here at the Can Pro-Am draft night. We're going to have a lot of Canucks alumni joining us through the course of the evening. You are listening to Canucks Central.
1: Discussing the biggest stories that matter
0: to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.